All right. Well, it is good to be in church. I hope you I hope you're thinking that. Just that time as busy as we are, everything going on in our lives is good to just stop for a short time and uh, think about what the Lord has done for us, remember that and give him the praise and also share our burdens with one another, the challenges we're facing and and pray together. Um, I hope the request, I hope you're making note of that. And this week, you're, you're praying for all those things that people have requested. You know, pray that Shana feels better and Anna Lee and pray for Mrs. Brother Bob and, and Damien, who's having surgery this week. And, and pray for Chuck as well and Mariah and Samantha as they recover from their car accident. We're praying for these things. I've been continuing the series on Habits for Holiness, and I had to take a break from last week. So to try, I want to get it all in this year, though, so today I'm going to kind of combine two, uh, combine both fasting and the habit of fasting and the habit of silence and solitude. We talked about, we've, so far we've talked about Bible reading and prayer obedience, worship, evangelism, service, stewardship, all wonderful habits that you want to make part of your life that, and, and because they will help you become stronger as a man of God, as a woman of God. And to that list, we're adding fasting as well as silence and solitude. Silence and solitude usually go together uh, of themselves, so that's why we're combining all that. When we decide to get serious with God, that no more games, I'm done playing around, we put everything aside and, and to get alone with the Lord. If, if that happens, you know, I'm done playing games with you, God. I'm tired of the sin game. I'm tired of the stupidity in my life. And we're gonna, I'm going to get serious with God. So then we, we, it just it comes naturally. We want to get alone with God. And when that happens, wonderful things usually result. If we're serious, it, it, it's amazing what happens from that. In 2000, the spring of 2008, uh, up to that point, from 19, so 1992, I decided to live for God, and and from 1992 to 2008, my 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 Christian walk was a little embarrassing. I probably say, um, I kept having trouble with sin in my life. I kept backsliding. I, I would go to church for a while, you know, real strong in devotions and, and start faltering. And I was so frustrated with this roller coaster of a spiritual life. I was so tired of it. There were sins in my life. I couldn't seem to stop. I couldn't seem to break them. They kept breaking me. And so I decided to go on a personal retreat. I had never done that before. And, and the church that we were going to, they, they, they also served as a church camp. So there were some apartments on, on, on the property, church property, 
that I could use, I could use one of those apartments and get alone with God. And so Missy took me uh, to, to and dropped me off there. Uh, there wasn't any place. It was kind of out there. So I couldn't just easily walk into town or, you know, be distracted by anything. I was by myself. It was me and God. This retreat happened to involve all three of the disciplines that we're going to be talking about today. I determined I was going to spend a good bit, bit of time in fasting. I brought a little bit of food with me, but I, I was planning on spending most of the time fasting. And I was planning on just being alone with God and silent before God and reading the Word and trying to figure out how can I fix this problem. And so I started my time there before the Lord. I mentioned that I fasted. Fasting is one thing I first want to get into today, fasting. Uh, author Donald S. Whitney uh, once wrote that Jesus both practiced and taught fasting, yet fasting is the most feared and misunderstood of all spiritual disciplines. What is what we, what we mean by fasting? So with Christian fasting, right now, fasting is kind of, there's lots of articles on fasting. It's mainly talking about fasting for health benefits. Right now, what's called intermittent fasting is kind of popular, where you don't eat for like 16 hours, and then in an eight-hour window, six or eight-hour window, you eat all your calories for the day, and then you don't eat again for 18, 60, for 16 hours. That's that's um that's intermittent fasting. That's a health thing. So hear that. That's not what we mean by Christian fasting. Christian fasting is we are not partaking of any food for spiritual purposes. There's a spiritual intent. You skip a meal and you spend time in prayer and meditation instead. And then throughout the day, because you skip that meal, you're going to feel hungry, aren't you? You're going to get the little rumbles. And, and and that can be used as a reminder. Oh, man, I'm hungry. Well, I'm hungry because I skipped a meal. Oh, that's right. I'm fasting today. Why am I fasting? Because I'm praying about something. And maybe you're at work or, or at home, and you just take a moment, and you just you talk to God about whatever is on your mind, the reason for your fasting. Maybe, you know, something you're very concerned about. Um, maybe a friend of yours isn't saved, and you're, you're fasting for that. And so... Throughout the day, every time you remember it, well, you're hungry, you haven't eaten, and, and, and you, you stop for a moment and say, Lord, please save my friend. And that's, and so you share a moment with God. There's different types of fasting in the Bible. Uh, there's a regular fast in Matthew chapter 4. Verses 1 or two, and 2, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted four days and 40 nights, he was hungry. This was a regular fast. From by our, what we understand, Jesus drank. He just didn't eat. He went without food for 40 days. And so, yeah, he was hungry. That's, just a, that's a regular fast. Most... That's what you would normally do if you want to fast for a certain period. 
you would still partake of liquids because we our body needs needs water. We're made up mostly of water, and we don't survive very long without it unless God does something special to allow that to happen. So you'd only I'll talk about that. I'm getting ahead of myself. And then there's a partial fast in Daniel chapter 10, verses 2 through 3. Daniel 10, 2 through 3. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three full weeks. So he was mourning uh, what was going on. He said, I didn't eat any rich food. No meat or wine entered my mouth. And I didn't put any oil on my body until three weeks were over. So he ate simply. That's what he did. For He didn't. He didn't partake of anything fancy. He just ate simply, probably maybe just you know vegetables and water, like he did when he first got kidnapped by the Babylonians. Um, so that's a that's another type of fast you can do. That's usually what I do when I go on my my personal prayer retreats. I will eat simply, just very basic. I'm not there to have a feast. Just enough food to keep me going. Uh, the third type of fast the Bible talks about is a full fast. This is everything, food and water. And it, it has happened. So in Acts 9.9, Paul, verse 9 says, He was unable to eat for three days and did not eat or drink. What happened? He had had an encounter with Jesus, if you recall. And he was blind because of it. And he had been led into town. And something like that. That that drastic? Yeah, I could see why he wasn't in the mood to eat or drink for a few days. So that was a full fast. And those are extreme, as you can see, extreme circumstances. The Bible also talks about a sexual fast. For married couples. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, do not deprive one another, referring to sexual encounters, except for when you agree for a time to devote yourselves to prayer. Sometimes you need to, uh, it's important for a married couple to, to, to uh, have intercourse on a regular basis. The Bible says that you don't, you don't want to keep from doing that you want you want to not have sex for too long because then you'll get tempted, but it's okay for every now and then for a period of time so you can focus on prayer with God. There's also another type of fast that Christians do. It's a personal fast. It's something in your life that you feel like you need to kind of get away from for a period of time for your own spiritual development. It's very personal in nature. It's like a personal conviction. You know what personal conviction is? It's something that, for whatever reason, in your walk with God, it's not right for you to partake in. It's In and of itself, is no problem. But for you, maybe, maybe it's... Um, I know one, one friend of mine, uh, she, there was certain music she couldn't listen to, certain secular music she could not listen to. And it wasn't that those songs were glorifying evil. It was they, they, when she listened to them, they brought her back 
emotionally to that same place that she was at before Christ. And she didn't feel like she could go, she didn't want to go back there. So she abstained from all that old music she listened to when she was in sin. And some people have personal convictions about um, how long sleeves they, they wear. Because we want to cover our bodies, but it's up to the uh, up to individual how long the sleeve is. Some some people are fine with short sleeves. Some people feel like they can't have their sleeve above their elbow. Some people feel like they they can't have their sleeve above their wrist. That's a personal conviction. So there's personal fasts like that. So things that you know you you feel like you need to do to to draw closer to God, but it's very personal in nature. It can mean you know, maybe you feel like you're, you're spending too much time watching sports. And so you need to take a break from that. You need to just cut off all sports for a period of time. Um, I had a personal fast uh, of, uh, well, uh, sports, uh, social media. We did, as a church years ago, did a fast of social media. All of us agreed to, to, to not partake in social media for a period of time. Um, uh, and then there's uh, some people might fast talking. They decide, oh, I'm not going to talk for a period of time. And then, and then another fast, which I partook in years ago, and Missy and I are talking about doing it again to kind of reset our thoughts, is a fast in spending. So years ago, I realized I'm, I'm way too materialistic, and and I need to I need to adjust my thinking. So so I stopped buying anything. But absolute necessities. So toothpaste, deodorant, those are all things that everybody wants me to keep buying. But anything else, I don't need it. So I'm not buying it. And so I did that for about six months. And that really helped me personally kind of realign my thinking of what how God intends me to use the money He gives me. <clears throat> I do want to add, there was no one good place for this where it flowed, so I'm just kind of interjecting it right here. Um, Christians traditionally do not fast on Sunday. Sunday has always been a feast day because this is the day Jesus rose from the dead. So we, we don't normally fast on Sunday. But other than that, there's no rule, and we're going to talk about... Uh, fasting guidelines shortly. But I do want to talk about what fasting is not. Fasting is not a diet. It's not the purpose is to lose weight. It's, it's not the end goal. You're not just trying to fast for fasting's sake. The purpose of fasting is not just to be hungry. Fasting is not a, a way of penitence or earning anything with God. That's not... Oh, look all the fasting I'm doing. God's got to listen to me now. No, that's not how it works. And it's not meant to be, also, fasting is not meant to be accomplished in any specific manner or frequency. So you don't, there's no guidelines on how you accomplish fasting besides some examples we have in the Bible. And, and notice they're varied, didn't it? We had quite a var variance of different ways of fast. Uh, and then, um, 
We could even add a sixth fast, which I've talked about in Isaiah chapter 58, where God says, isn't this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of people, to feed the hungry, clothe the naked. That comes at a personal sacrifice. If for me to help somebody, I have, it's going to cost me, isn't it? It's going to cost me time and it's going to cost me money. Money that I could, money and time I could use on myself. But God wants us to fast from ourselves to help those in need. And that's what we, we believe in at Servant's Heart Chapel. There's no frequency. You can, you can, some people uh, fast for uh, certain things. So there's no uh, consistency in when it might happen. It just, it's event driven. Some people fast. John Wesley fasted uh, every Wednesday. He would fast breakfast and lunch every Wednesday and Friday. Every week. That's what he did. Um, others, you know, people fast once a month, some fast, you know, a couple times a year. So it all depends on what you want to do. But Jesus did give us some examples. He did set the example when it comes to fasting. Uh, notice that first off, Jesus expected us, expected us to fast. Uh, Matthew chapter six, verse 16. He says, whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. Notice he did not say if you fast, but when you fast. Fasting is expected that we are going to do. It's an activity he, he, he knew he expected us to do. But notice also Jesus gave us a promise about fasting. It's in the same passage in, in Matthew 6. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Have anybody like that? Probably not. We haven't seen that much. Oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, you want a sandwich? No, no, I can't eat a sandwich. I'm fasting for Jesus. I've been fasting all week. Oh, look what I'm doing. Yeah. That's what Jesus said. Very good. He said, truly I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. God will reward us for the fasting we accomplish. That time we put away food, put away other things in our life that attracts us from God and say, I'm going to spend time with God today. Why do we fast? We fast to draw closer to God. In uh, spring of 1992, I told you about that, where I decided I'm going to live for the Lord. That fall, I went to God's Bible school to attend college. I got there a few days early. And so I spent that time. I knew this was a major change in my life. I was repenting. I wasn't going to go. All my buddies up to that point were either stoners or gang members. 
And I left that life and moved 2,000 miles away to a very conservative Bible college in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I decided I'm going to live for the Lord. So I spent a good deal of time in fasting and prayer before God, before the classes started. No one had gotten there yet, really. There was a few students that were working there, but not really anybody yet. And so I had time alone with God. We fast. Another reason for fasting is we fast to seek God's guidance on something. You got something going on. You don't know what to do. You, 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 big decision. And you don't know what to do. And, and it's a good time to spend time in fasting and prayer on the subject. I had people, uh, one, one guy had a big decision to make and he had no idea what to do and it was going to make a major impact on his life and the life of his family. And I, I, I encouraged him to, to spend time in prayer and fasting. And sometime later, he was still trying to figure out what, what decision to make. And I asked him, well, have you spent time in fasting and prayer over this? And he's like, well, no. That confuses me. I don't understand that. It was supposedly so important. But yet it wasn't important enough to skip a meal. I don't get that. We also fast to express grief. As we saw, one of the examples is uh, Daniel grieving. We fast to seek deliverance or protection. God deliver us. Maybe there's a sin in your life that keeps, keeps beating you. God, I need deliverance like I did back in 08. I need deliverance. Maybe it's deliverance for someone else. Maybe a loved one you know who needs to be saved. I knew one couple. I, their, their son was getting ready to graduate high school, and he wasn't, still was not a Christian. And the parents were very concerned about that, so they agreed to take turns fasting every other day. So every day, somebody was spending time in fasting and prayer for their son. And you know he got saved and spent the rest of his life serving the Lord. We fast to express repentance turning from our old life and, and returning to God. We fast to express, express concern for the work of God, fasting uh, for our church, fasting for our ministries, fasting for, uh, we had this, uh, you know, a lot going on in our conferences, right? We have these other churches, these 10 churches that want to join, want to join our conference. So we, as conference leaders, Daryl Lee and I and others, uh, agreed to, Fast and pray over upcoming meetings that we've had this year, several times this year, meeting with the other conference leaders and preachers. Pray for God's wisdom and guidance, His work. We fast to minister to the needs of others. We talked about that, Isaiah 58, right? Giving to others. Um, one thing that I've, I've been wanting to instill in our church, and we haven't done that yet, uh, and maybe this next coming year we can we can finally do that. I can succeed in making that happen. But a lot of our churches 
um, they take a thanksgiving offering for uh, church expansion, for, for missions, not missions, missions is Christmas and Easter, but, but they'll, um, they'll skip so many meals. People will agree to skip so many meals that year. And, and whatever that meal would have cost you, you save that money. Say, well, I'm going to skip lunch today. That would have cost me a few bucks, $2, $3. So I'm going to save aside, put aside 2 or $3 and save that and then give that to somebody else. We, uh, and meanwhile, when I'm fasting, I'm also spending time in prayer for whatever I'm giving that money to, the ministry I'm giving it to. We fast to overcome sin. I talked about that. We fast to express love and worship to God. So those are some of the reasons that we would spend time in fasting and prayer. But let's talk about silence and solitude. Silence and solitude is often in conjunction with fasting, but not always. Time of silence and solitude, being alone with God, is really something magical. But it's also something painful. And Cornelius, you could probably speak to this. We've talked about this in your experience uh, these past few months. You see, silence and solitude is not entirely a pleasant process. I uh, got to spend, uh, back in October, I got to spend a weekend at Recon Marquez, a very solitary place in the middle of the Navajo Reservation. Nothing as far as the eye can see, and you can see for miles and miles. And I... and it's so it's so quiet there that I heard a plane fly over, and it took me a while to find where the plane was, and I realized it was way overhead, and it was at cruising altitude, which was about thirty thousand feet, and I could hear it. It was so quiet, I heard the flapping of a bird, and I looked around and found a bird flying several hundred feet in the air. And I could hear its wings flapping, quiet, solitude, just me and God, me and my thoughts. It's, it's good. I, I try to do that. I haven't done that in a few years. And I want to do it at least once a year uh, for several days because it's good to take time to stop. To put the brakes on our day-to-day activities and, and to think about what's going on in our heart and life and what it means to us. It's good to take time to, to read God's Word and, and contemplate what it how it impacts our heart and life, how we measure up to it and what changes we need to make in our life to line up with God's expectations. It's good. To take time to rest. One thing I've learned this year, probably one of, one of the big lessons I've learned this year, is sometimes taking a nap is can be the most holy thing you can do at that moment. 
God doesn't want us going nonstop. We're not designed that way. God wants rest to be a part of our life. Sometimes it just take time to rest, take a nap, uh, drink tea, uh, and enjoy the, the view being outside. And that's what I had. I didn't have a whole lot with me as far as stuff. I had, but I had my tea, and I had bought a uh, a backpacking stove, a little tiny little stove, and so I heat water and make tea, and I I sit out there and think about think about things. I would, I I what I ended up doing. I had one little notebook with me, and as thoughts came to mind. I'd read God's word and I'd think about it and I'd pray about things. As thought came to mind, I'd write a little note. And then and then later I'd write a little note and and throughout the day I might go back to my what I've written down and reread those and think about them and contemplate. What does it mean to me? And then at the beginning of the day and the end of the day I'd write a journal. I'd write a page or two. Just kind of outlining some of the truths that God has brought to light in my heart and life. Those can be some of the most meaningful times in your life as a Christian. Just getting away from everything and just focusing your time on you and God. Sometimes you just need to get away from all the noise. We had noise everywhere, noise on our phones, noise at home, the the TV going on, noise all around us. It's time, it's it's important to get away from all that noise and just be quiet ourselves and let God speak to us. Because God often speaks in what the Bible calls a still, quiet voice but you're not going to hear his still, quiet voice if you always have something something else blaring in your ears. What does the Bible say about silence? It has a lot to say, actually. I'm just going to read some verses for you. Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the whole earth be silent in his presence. Zephaniah 1.7, be silent in the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. Zechariah 2.13, let all the people be silent before the Lord. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 25 through 28, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for salvation. From the Lord, it is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is still young. I like how telling bearing the yoke is right after waiting quietly because waiting quietly can be sometimes the hardest thing you can do. I don't know about you, but I like I have a hard time waiting quietly sometimes. If I see a problem, if I see a need, I just want to jump in. And that's caused me problems in the past. I've got myself in trouble. I've caused myself more pain and didn't help. It's, it's, it is work to be quiet. It's not comfortable to be alone with our thoughts, but there is value in doing so. 
You can't have silence without solitude. You know, Jesus shows solitude many times over people. There are actually six examples of Jesus Jesus choosing solitude over people. I first he chose solitude to prepare for a major task. In Luke chapter four, it says, Then Jesus left the Jordan, the Jordan River, full of the Holy Spirit, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. He was teaching in their synagogues, being praised by everyone. You see, Jesus had an important task that he was about to embark on, so he spent time in fasting, and in silence and solitude. So we want to do that too. Whenever we're about to embark on a, I would encourage uh, Shine and Emmett to spend time in prayer and fasting before your wedding. Another uh, uh, reason for silence and sol- for solitude uh, that Jesus. Another reason Jesus had for, for, for getting alone, away from the crowds, is to recharge after hard work. In Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 32, we read, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him, him all the things they had done and taught. So they were so excited, we've done this and we've done that. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. They were so busy, Jesus and the disciples didn't have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. Mind you, people still needed them. Jesus, help me. Jesus, I I need this. This is going on. We, We need your help, please. And he chose to get away as a pastor. That means a lot to me. Because Jesus saw the importance of getting away and resting periodically to continue the ministry and not get wore out. Too many pastors get burned out because they don't take time to get away like that. Another reason Jesus got away from the crowds was to work through grief. Did you know that? Matthew uh, chapter 14, verse 13, John the Baptist, his cousin, had just been killed. And and 13 says, when Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. Uh, The fourth reason Jesus needed to be alone was before making an important decision. In Luke chapter 6, Verses 12 to 13, it says, During those days he went out to the mountain to pray and spend all night in prayer to God. He spent all night in prayer to God, and when daylight came, he summoned his disciples, and he chose the disciples. 
So he spent all night in prayer to God before. Did you know that? Jesus chose his disciples, but he spent all night beforehand before making that important decision on who his disciples will be. Jesus I got away from the crowds alone with God in a time of distress. Luke chapter 22, verse 41. I, this is the night before he's about to be arrested. And he knows what's going to happen. And he's under great pressure. Great pressure and temptation just to call it quits. But verse 41 says, Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and began to pray. So he withdrew from the disciples, got alone with God in this very distressful time. And finally, the final reason why Jesus got alone away from everybody was to focus on prayer. Uh, Luke 5.16 says, Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. It's good to pray together as a church. It's good to pray as a couple. But it's also good to get alone, just you and God. It's very important. In 2008, I started this sermon I talking about my time with God in the spring of 2008. And I, I pray, I started out, I'm going I'm I'm to get results. I was going to spend three days in prayer and fasting alone with God. I'm going to do that. I went I left a Friday, I think it was. So I, I, I stayed there Friday night, and it was cold. And, and I felt like my prayers were just hitting the ceiling. I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. And so I called Missy the next day and I said, come get me. This isn't working. And I felt like I'd failed. Having no idea that God had heard my prayer. And a week later, God sanctified me. And because of that, very soon after that, I became an assistant pastor, which resulted in me getting a, a, a conference preacher's license, which resulted in me uh, starting a church out here in Clovis, New Mexico, which resulted in all of you being here today. So I want to challenge you this week. Are you looking for an extraordinary year coming up? Just something amazing. I want you to take time this week, turn off your phone notifications, put it, put the phone down, turn off the TV, computer, or radio. Radio if you're a boomer. Decide that you don't need lunch today. You don't need dinner today. You're going to spend some time alone with God. I guarantee you, God will bless you for it. Let's stand.